0: Just going to make another adjustment. In the Is that better? Free hearing aids with PRSI at Specsavers. Music to your ears. Find out more online. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Connor Faulkner, and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode 22, where I meet journalist and space commentator Leo Enright. Leo has worked for RTE and for BBC and has covered science and space exploration since he was a schoolboy. He's worked continually on projects in the area of public understanding of science. And as you'd expect from someone who has met every man that ever walked on the moon, he's fascinating. But there's a lot more to him than that. Do remember to check out previous episodes where I meet people like Frankie Sheehan, Therese Mannion, George Hook, Geraldine Herbert, Dermot Ferriter and others. They're all listed together nicely on SeniorTimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google Driving Life with Conor Faulkner and you can email me at ConorFaulkner at gmail.com. But now let's meet Leo. I dropped into his amazing home in Temple Bar in Dublin for a coffee and a long chat.
1: The gods are cruel. Mm. They really
0: are very, very bad people. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm. listen, I I reckon we'll probably... um We'll, pro- we'll probably start the chat so as not to waste yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When, you, when you say the gods, I take it you are you one of those people who means that in the figurative and poetic sense. Well, right?
1: I mean, there's you know, I'm I'm all for the gods. There's yeah. plenty of them. There's, I'm with the Romans on this. The Romans were very good about this. Yeah, the Romans adopted everybody's god. Yeah, they had no problem with this, and you know, so when you the one of the earliest finds at Newgrange. Was mm. a votive offering that was obviously made by a Roman who was visiting Ireland, a tourist uh, who was visiting Ireland from Roman Britain. Yeah, and at that stage, Newgrange was, you know, two thousand years old, mm. and uh, the guy had uh, shoved this into the into the tunnel, yeah. and um, you know, and yeah. that exactly what you would expect from the Romans yeah. that they that he was. Or she was paying homage to the Celtic and,
0: gods, and they also assimilated the other way. I mean, exactly. that, the, yeah. the real trick of Roman expansion was that it wasn't conquest; it was assimilation. Exactly. Was it? Yeah. And I remember it, it, the, reading that in Caesar's time, Romans were complaining much the same way. Uh, westerners do now about immigration Mm. Um, and they were saying if you see somebody wearing trousers as an immigrant dress don't tell him the way to the forum was apparently one of the anti-immigrant pieces
1: of graffiti found in rome Uh, human nature it does not change i spent i spent uh, i'm just back actually back about three weeks i spent a full week in pompeii Mm. just walking the city uh, I love Pompeii. Got to yeah. do that. My wife
0: did yeah. it recently and she's mm-hmm. telling me that it's part of Italy I haven't been to yet. Yeah.
1: Oh, um, it's, a, it's a joy. And Herculaneum, of course, is also amazing. <laughs> but I made a point, I hadn't been to Pompeii for about six or eight years. Uh, I tried to go fairly regularly because there's always something new opened. You know, they they open and close stuff regularly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was a, it was a terrific trip. Uh, I worked, walked, I destroyed my shoes because right. the... The ground is very well, rough. It, it, it's, on, it's on my bucket
0: list and you have a fair mm-hmm. few things crossed off yours. I'm talking, of course, to Leo Enright. Um, uh, typically, in terms of my structure, I should have said that at the start. We've been chatting and I just turned the microphone on. Um, <laughs> Leo, you're, 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 you're very good to meet me in this magnificent space you have in, in, in Temple Bar. Your home in Temple Bar is fantastic. You're over a couple of levels of old Georgian building looking out on the Liffey. It's a dream location, isn't it?
1: Well, we love it. And, you know, we've lived here for many many years, um, we were here before Temple Bar was, you know, pop- was popular or profitable. <laughs> and our son is an inner city courier. Um, He grew up here, and uh, honestly, it is just it's a it's a great place to live. Do you go back as far as when when CIE were contemplating turning the whole thing into a bus station? Oh, absolutely yes. In fact, that's how we ended up with this property was because everything was so derelict. Yeah, um, a group of us, uh, a cooperative. Um, of like-minded people who wanted to dev- to see more activity in the city centre, we came together as a cooperative. Uh, we bought effectively a city block, yeah, um, and we then sold off the ground floor commercial property. So we ended up with three floors of a city block for development into our own homes. Wow. Now, you know, I ended up with what I used to call a, a yogi bear mortgage. <laughs> it, it was bigger than the average mortgage. Bigger than the average mortgage. <laughs> but, but as the years go by, it's looking cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Well, exactly. I mean, really, my heart breaks when I see what young people are oh facing now. And, um, you know, in my day, uh, you know, you know, a yogi bear mortgage was was sustainable. Uh, you know, for a young man um, with a decent job, he yeah. was very lucky to have a good job. Um, but uh, nowadays, it really breaks my heart to see how difficult it is for young people yeah. to get onto the property ladder. Sure. Even if they were to get together like we did, I mean, that was the trick then. Yeah. It might be a way of doing it again if somebody was listening, who was looking for ideas. I mean, one possible way of doing this is to come together as a, as a cooperative, yeah. as a collective, and um, it worked extremely. Really well for us. It was The lawyers made a lot of money <laughs> because um, we had to divide up things in weird ways. It wouldn't I be unusual. Actually, the, the, the deeds and the conveyance. Exactly. The flying leases and all this sort of stuff, which yeah. you wouldn't, you know, I think now is common enough. Mm. But at the time was so unique that we had to pay gazillions to the lawyers. To yeah, we'll right. just add it on top of
0: the Yogi Bear pile <laughs> and get involved of it eventually. But in hindsight, this looks very wise. And you know, we, we've we done a, a lot of things very well in Ireland. Maybe that's a good way to have the chat. We've done a lot of things very well in Ireland, but there's some current failings that uh, could could be fault lines in our republic if we don't address them. Um, but you go back further than that now. You, you
1: you're Actually, I think I read that you were born in London. I'd imagine that's just did one of those quirks because you're a dub, really, aren't you? Yes, yeah. I mean, I would consider myself a dub, and but I was born in London. I was actually adopted. Okay. Uh, so I was the, uh, the uh, I was adopted by Irish parents having uh, been born to an Irish mother in London. OK. So that's how I uh, ended up in London, was just simply in those days, that's where girls went for one of those Irish girls. Yes, trouble yeah. Uh, no, it's, uh, it, you know, that sad journey, you know, was going on up to very recently. So, you know, I'm very aware of that.
0: Um, it's still and, a part of the debate now in, in terms of people's right to trace, etc. There's new
1: legislation happening now, I think. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It came in the mailbox just uh, yesterday. There's a general post out now for people, yeah. and there are a huge number of people like me um, who were adopted at that time. It was the, the very common practice, Yeah. Um, less so obviously as the years went by. But nowadays... Um, that was the 50s, of course. The, yeah. the 1950s. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough time here in Ireland. So. Yeah there were economic pressures as well as the obvious social pressures on young um, women in that decade half
0: a million irish people emigrated um, and the population was only 3 million um, at the end of the decade so it, it, it was turgid times. You, you were lucky, though.
1: You wound up in what I'm guessing is a good home with a loving family. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, c- I couldn't have been luckier. My brother, I also adopted, and myself, we, you know, we were very, very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had wonderful parents and a wonderful life. So no, I mean, mm-hmm. I certainly have nothing to complain about. Well, good <laughs> for you, and, and you,
0: from an early time, you were a science nerd, weren't you? Like, you, you were the schoolboy looking at rockets and reading moon books, all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of had two parallel uh, obsessions uh, when I was in school. One was archaeology. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived in Hoth uh, or Sutton, in fact, um, but I used to spend a lot of time in Hoth digging something you could not do now, and yeah. I really do not recommend it. Nobody should go out digging or, <laughs> or, uh, or uh, metal detecting or any of that stuff. We need to preserve our heritage. But in those days, things were looser, and I, we, I used to drag my friends off to excavate at Cor Castle, which is up at uh, Corbridge, and uh, on the way to Hoth. Yeah. Um, so hoping to find. We were uh, looking. For uh, small artifacts, not treasure, but uh, small artifacts, and used to measure things. You know, it was. I really enjoyed it, and I've always retained that love of uh, archaeology. But then, at the same time, in parallel, the moon pro program had just begun. Yeah. And um, my fascination with that, I think, dates back to two things uh, in the same month. Um, One was the release of, on Cinerama, the the wraparound cinema of of the time, the release of 2001 A Space Odyssey, Yes, Um, which if anyone, there's still one or two Cineramas in Britain, none here, sadly, but if you can uh, get to a real Cinerama uh, and see 2001 Space Odyssey you'll understand how it changed my perspective. The, the, the opening 15 minute
0: sequence with the balletic space stations and their exactly. to begin with the apes and yes. uh, the bone
1: being thrown into the air. Mag- magical, magical. piece. The Earth rise over the moon uh, in Cinerama as a wraparound experience ah. is just amazing and what is interesting about it is that the film was released here mm. at exactly the same time that Apollo 8 was, was was going around the moon, the first mission yeah. to orbit the moon. The Americans launched it at very short notice. It was originally not intended that that mission would go to the moon, but the Americans were terrified that the Russians would beat them. Yeah, and, and of course, as well documented, the space race was kind of the sharp
0: point of the of the Cold War. And in some ways, it was the healthiest type of competition. Um, But, uh, you know, to summarize, the Russians spent about 10, 12 years being demonstrably ahead Dead, and using that success to win hearts and minds and influence in the global culture war that was going on, the two main paradigms. So for the Americans, it was absolutely imperative that they catch. And and also, I would. I mean, I know you've written a history of the Apollo program, but I would think Kennedy's promise, followed by Kennedy's assassination, meant that it was a promise that. The the nation absolutely had to keep, wasn't it?
1: Yes, that's a very good um, assessment of the the real history of Apollo. Um, It wasn't as popular as people imagined. If you look at the actual um, public opinion polls of Mm -hmm. the day, uh, public support for the Apollo program was quite soft. Yeah. Um, This wasn't a uniting factor in America. And of course, at exactly the same time, outside the gates of Cape Canaveral, Mm. when the first uh, landing was being launched in July of 1969, the Poor People's March, led by the great uh, Ralph Abernathy, uh, one of the uh, colleagues of Dr. Martin Luther well, yeah. King, uh, Ralph Abernathy, and his people. Uh, Dr. King had been assassinated the year before, sixty-eight. Of course, 68 yeah. And uh, Ralph Abernathy and his people were outside at Cape Canaveral, and they were there throughout the Apollo program. Each launch, there was a protest out at the gates yeah. of Cape Canaveral, and I, in fact, I joined them on one occasion myself, because they really had a very strong message that you know there were other priorities too, and they never said they shouldn't go to the moon. What they said is, you're able to spend this money. Yeah. And as you rightly say, they kind of were forced to after the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. Otherwise, they might have pulled out of it. Um, but they couldn't, you know, because of the honor that they had to give to yeah. the, uh, the martyr president. Um, but the uh, the Poor People's March was an important message to America. Do you know, one thing about um, Abernathy's
0: march, that incident, is, is that um, there was... There was an extreme culture of, of politeness and respect between the protesters and mission control. I mean, I think I'm right in saying that they they had access to mission control at one stage, or that the you, you, certainly everybody was willing to talk to them and willing to listen. And I think even now you could have the same debate now, couldn't you? Because um, every time we invest in the pointy end of technology, it is hugely resource intensive. Um, and you know, on the one hand, that's how we're able to make vaccines. But on the other hand, uh, tremendous amounts of money are being spent esoterically when we know there are immediate needs here. Uh, how do we square that circle even now?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Connor, this comes up very very regularly i mm. i do a lot of broadcasting for instance on the bbc world service yeah. and it's not uncommon uh, for the world service to open the phone lines mm. and it's it's always really interesting that that uh, when they open the phone lines calls come in from across the world yeah and the the the, the abiding theme from the developing world is people asking how can you they you justify uh, yeah. all this money and this has always troubled me because mm. you know any thinking person must, have, must give this some regard. And on one occasion, I went to visit the imam uh, at the mosque beside the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. Okay. Now, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory is the center that sends missions to the planets. Okay, and, so they're <clears throat> mission control for the unmanned missions, exactly for yeah. the for the robotic missions, uh, most Mars, Venus, you yeah. know, Jupiter, that sort of thing. But the staff in the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, it's more like a university campus than yeah. a technology center, and so they're very liberal, shall we say? Okay. and they they contribute greatly to the local community. But I asked the man uh, what he would say to. Uh, People about the expenditure of money. Yeah. And uh, he laughed and he said, Leo, he said, if you look out this window, you see a freeway. Yeah. Uh, he said, one mile of that freeway, the amount of uh, backhanders and corruption <laughs> and everything that goes into that project would easily dwarf anything that is spent on these space programs, he said. "It's That's where we need to focus our attention, is on the, the waste, the other, uh, if I may continue the, the yeah. point, because it is a very mm. important issue, the other point that I always say uh, in response to this is that they don't take all that money, put it in a wheelbarrow, wheel it onto a rocket and fire it into space. Yeah. The money is spent here in Ireland. I mean, there are a lot of jobs now directly linked. I, I was going to get to, to that because yeah. we are essentially a spacefaring nation oh, in some ways. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. We well, have our own satellite due for launch. Probably not year but almost certainly next Mm. year and um you know the there are jobs for young people in space both in the commercial aspects of it in the law there's a lot of space law now there's a lot of space accounting so you know space programs need accountants they need doctors they need nurses Mm. so there's Mm. money going everywhere and there's jobs in it and and there are technological spin-offs that are unforeseen
0: Sponsored by Expressway. With MyExpressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again, and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus, numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones, make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times? Visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook. But, you know, one of the things that might have broken the heart of that little boy, Leo, um, is if space becomes just another place. And if you're remembering Earthrise and the magnificent ballet of 2001, and now you tell me that we need accountants if we want to go to space. (laughs) It's de-romanticised to some degree. One thing I was going to ask about, and there's an awful lot we could go into because uh, because you go way back, Leo, but you actually were uh, not involved in Apollo per se, but you had been in mission control for, I know that closely followed the, the the space shuttle through its entire career. Yeah. Were
1: you in mission <clears throat> control for some of the launches? For the oh, launch? yeah. From, uh, I, uh, I've been to hundreds of launches. As an accredited journalist? As a journalist, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I covered the Apollo program as a schoolboy. Uh, I was still yeah. in school. It's uh, This year, actually, is the 50th anniversary oh, of course, Apollo yeah, yeah. 17, the last mission to the moon. And um, I was actually at Cape Canaveral for the launch, which I have to say was a religious experience. <laughs> um, it, did the earth move? <laughs> it did. <clears throat> In fact the entire uh, the air around us moved and pounded our chests. So we could feel it coming up from the ground. the ground was shaking. but we could also, the most the most striking thing about it for me was um, <clears throat> I always still to this day think of it, as you know, if you break open an orange far enough, yeah. there are tiny little um, droplets. Yeah, uh, there these little bits of orange juice. If you really go deep down into the orange, and I imagine that that was what was hitting me, where these tiny little bits of orange, just uh, the way the shock waves from the rocket wow. were punching you in the chest. Course, it, it, amazing experience. It, it,
0: of course, this is this is a skyscraper you know, three times the height of Liberty Hall, more, um, that literally blasts itself from a stationary position into orbit, um, so I mean the concussion of it was was very thrill w- Were you on hand for for any of the the, the tragic days? Can
1: I covered the them, Challenger. but um, uh, no, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't in mission control or at the Cape uh, for. I was actually for the first disaster, the Challenger. Yeah. I was actually on the west coast. I was getting up, and uh, I was having my breakfast, watching the launch because I was covering uh, a a mission uh, to Uranus. I okay. believe it was Uranus or was it Neptune? But anyway, one of the outer planets. The void, one of the Voyager uh, missions, Voyager two, was flying past that very day. So that's where the, your interest was in the jet propulsion. That part. was where the
0: news was mm. for uh, for a lot of us. Shuttle launches having been so they had become
1: curious. so commonplace. Now this particular launch uh, was special because it had Krista of the, the, the civilian, the first civilian yeah. in space, and she. Um, she was a focus of media attention more in America Uh, in Europe most of us most European space reporters were on the west coast yeah, for, for the Voyager mission. Um, the Americans focused on Christa McAuliffe because yeah. it was a human interest story. One, for them. one was a human interest story and one was a science story. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I think I was 17
0: at the time. I remember I remember it very, very well. Um, it, it, so America picked itself up and got back in the space race. I wonder what your take is on where we are now, because I'll tell you what it sort of feels like. Um, it, it, it feels like the uh, um, the state actors have to some degree lost interest. You have India and China active in the moon. America doesn't seem to be as active as it used to be and and, and nor does Russia but the space seems to be to be being left to entrepreneurs and billionaires Um, and I wonder what your thought is on that because if you look at projects by you could perhaps be dismissive of, um Bezos's project as being kind of pure vanity, um. But if you look at Elon Musk and SpaceX, um, you know if you watch those rocket stages come back in and land, it's just amazing, um. So, but do you have concerns about leaving it to private actors?
1: I do. Um. Although I must say that NASA's decision, um, fifteen. Twenty years ago, now at this stage, their decision to become more closely involved with commercial entities yeah. and to do, to encourage them to develop systems uh, right. is what led to SpaceX. Mm. You know, SpaceX wouldn't have happened without the government. Yeah, um, right. You yeah. know, so these are not just individuals entirely. Mm. My big worry, and there are there's good grounds for this. I've a a very good friend. I won't, definitely won't name the individual who's a you know, very famous musician and, uh, you know, whose success is bound up in a billionaire's investment in um Music, he right, OK. And uh, I was sitting in the snug in Dhania Nesbitt's one evening, yeah. and I said to him after a couple of pints, I said, you know, God, you, you know, you must be very... I was winding him up. Yeah. You must be very grateful to your man, that again, man. not naming him, uh, for, you know, getting you, you know, where you are. You know, you're a megaster, as we would say in, du- in Dublin. Yeah. Um, a megastar. Um, and he said, you know, Leo, he said, there's something very unsettling. When your livelihood is somebody else's hobby. Yeah. And it was a very profound statement and, and came from the heart. And I think that this is what really worries me about these billionaire yeah. rocket men. And they're all men, of course. They are all men, yes. That Freud will what, have a field there. You know, if they if they if, if Elon Musk walks under a bus tomorrow, is Elon Musk's family going to want to go to Mars? I'm not sure they are. I mean, we've already seen this Paul Allen, the uh, uh, Microsoft Microsoft founder. He was a big space buff. He had a huge project, Stratoliner. It was a project to have a huge plane like the Spruce Goose of of old, uh, the biggest plane in the world at the time. He now wanted to build the biggest plane in the world that would launch rockets. And uh, poor Paul Allen. Money couldn't save him. The poor man died, young. And uh, his family had absolutely no interest. So the project was sold to a company that turned it into a weapons testing platform (sighs) and that was the end of the space dream Putting plowshares into swords exactly um, so i'm i'm nervous when when we rely on commercial companies but to be fair um both the european space agency and mm -hmm. nasa have now they've, they've they're working to get the balance right okay and i think by and large they have got it right particularly ESA they they because of the nature of the space agency mm. you know we spend a lot of money on the european space agency and mm. by golly we expect to get that money back yeah. in in investment in irish industry by golly we expect it and we do and we do. we do 7 right? to 1 i mean yeah. you could you could reasonably argue that for every euro we spend on the european space agency um it's i, I can't I don't know the figure just to hands about 20 million a year but we get for every euro that we spend on the european space agency we get seven euro back in not right. just in european investment that's not the way it works we, we get some back in european investment but in terms of economic impact but in impact exactly yeah. Yeah. and you know there has to be
0: to my mind a nobler reason for doing these things i do understand that if you want to do something for for, for noble reasons you you know you still have to pay the bills so you that to just just because your ambitions are lofty doesn't mean you'd can do without a business case. But at the same time, I don't think we can think directly just about the return. For a start, most of the benefits are, are unforeseen and serendipitous benefits. Uh, but also, there's just something more noble about the ambition. Um, you know, we choose to do these things because they're hard. Um, and one of the things you've been very good on over the years is science education. Um, because that, I think, lays the ground for support for projects like that is that something that you think ireland has done well in the last couple of decades compared to other countries and scientific
1: literacy amongst the population if you like i think every country can do better Hmm. Um but Ireland has not done badly. I, I'm I need to be careful here because I was chairman uh, of the Discover Science program for the government for ten years. Right. So, so if, I if it went I, wrong, it's entirely your fault. Well so, yeah. in a sense I don't I don't want to be um I don't want to be making unreasonable claims here. But um I do think that uh the Big success here has been the Young Scientists Exhibition. Yeah. Originally sponsored by Air Lingus, right. who were honourable and you know great sponsors for a very long time, and then BT came in, mm-hmm. and they have been fantastic as well. All credit to these sponsors. This is the sort of sponsorship we really need to see. Yeah. Um, there are other companies, yeah. uh, you know, there are uh, quite a number of large uh, companies that also uh, contribute very in practical ways Mm. to the Young Scientists exhibition and technology, it's young scientists it's, and technology it, 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 now. To uh, declare an interest, it has been one of my great joys. Yes.
0: I was, uh, was, about five, six years ago now, um, I was asked to take part as a judge um, in the uh, social and behavioral category, but it, it is absolutely fantastic and engaging firsthand with students, scoring projects is it, just wonderful. I and mean, if you look at the quality of the, of the work being done and the original thought going into it, you, you come out of the RDS. Buzzing and
1: absolutely confident in the future of our country—it's it's a real buzz to do it. Absolutely, I mean, you—and if you look, uh, the, the great thing about the young scientists, as opposed to other uh, investments, which I would argue are, you know, also important, like the, uh, you know, primary discover primary science, uh, the science yes. pro- project program. Um, uh, seismology in schools run by the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies. I mean, there are other programs, but they're very, it's often very hard to measure the success. And yeah. it is important to be able to measure success. And with the young scientists, you can measure it directly. Because if you just look at what the winners have achieved over the years, yeah. I because mean, from from Brothers, perhaps the
0: most recent uh, globally spectacularly successful example. indeed
1: they were on the front page of forbes magazine only last week yeah. um so yes the, the collisons are a very good example but going all the way back uh you know uh, to the the very earliest um winners who went on to stellar careers mm. in science and in business and in medicine a lot of them um it's just we can see just by looking at the list, how successful that has been. And there are, you know, for every winner who was successful, you know, there are at least there are hundreds of other entrants who went on to great things. It it seeds
0: the culture, in my my view, as well. And and, and we just wind up with a better informed population. I read, now I may be misattributing this, Leo, so apologies, but I think I read you saying that one of the reasons, in your view, for the high vaccine take up in Ireland is that we have a broadly speaking a scientifically literate
1: population? Is that something you've said? Yes, that that is my strong view. Uh, okay. I, the the way I've, I've phrased it in the past uh, is that I think you know a science education is itself mm. a vaccine against okay. stupidity.
0: Yeah, and if and you know and if 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 you think science is expensive, the cost of stupidity is incalculable. Exactly. Um, now other countries it's very easy to get a bit judgmental. And, um, you know, there's 350 million Americans. And, um, you know, clear, clearly, uh, that you've got all sorts there. But looking from afar, it does seem as if there's a bit of a descent into scientific illiteracy. Um, and, and from that comes consequences. Obviously, recently, poor vaccine take up. But deeper consequences than that do, do, do you worry about that globally and do you worry about that
1: here yes I mean I worry I, I don't worry about it so much here because yeah. I, I do think there's there has been for a couple of decades now a genuine appreciation um, among the political parties uh, about the importance of science both for our economy and for our education system yeah. and and for the wider for the, the good of wider society um, it, it is very 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 sad to see that the United States, um, I, you know, unfortunately, there has always been an issue, mm. um, you know, it's largely to do with the huge uh, disparities in wealth in the United States, yeah. um, you know, the failure of the American public school system, you know, where they, you know, uh, it, it, the the famous line has always been, it will be a great day when the army have to hold cake sales to buy guns, and the schools get funded. <laughs> um, and, you know, America is a very, very long way away from that yeah. situation. At the moment, all the school, the schools are holding the cake sales to, to educate their children. And, you know, that's simply, as long as that persists... Um, uh, there is a, America is always on, a, you know, balanced on a knife edge. Well, if you are
0: um, an American, let's say you're, you're, you're a white American um, living in the Rust Belt and you're well, 30, 35 years of age. You've got some young kids. Your father and grandfather worked in steel mills honorably, were able to live life with a degree of self-respect and dignity, provide for their families, provide for their kids. You have no such opportunity. And if you look at that dereliction in your economic landscape, you're going to kick against anybody. You're going to kick against anybody. and, and, and you know you I I would worry about long term about the effects of that
1: yes and, and i mean the, you can see this on a micro scale rather than a macro scale even in a country like ireland yeah. um you know a, the, a very good example is the irish midlands and the dependence on bord na mm. for jobs um a lot of for for much of the 20th century bord kept the midlands afloat Yeah. And the result, quite reasonably, was that people um, in the Midlands, when they looked to, uh, you know, their children's future, mm-hmm. they, they looked no further than Bordnemona. And a good job, you know, as a technician, uh, you know, or a maintenance person or something like that in Bordnemona. And as the Bordnemona thing uh, began to decline very rapidly and yeah. for for clear for obvious reasons, it created real problems uh, for uh, the, for people living in the midlands because it suddenly became necessary for their children to upskill yeah and so the, we 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 did uh, we have had a similar problem here there has been a huge amount of time and effort under the surface i mean this mm. is like ducks paddling there's been a huge effort within government uh, within the technological university sector the the old yeah. uh, col- uh, you know institutes uh, of technology, yes. those people have been working quietly and really hard for a decade now to address this specific issue. So, you know, there in every country, there will be these, uh, you know, blips that need to be addressed.
0: Yeah. The, the rewards will come if the policies are correct. I mean, it, it, this is a bit trite, but a comparison between Waterford and Galway. In Waterford, they had Waterford Crystal as the iconic employer. And, and when that... Failed or substantively failed. It was a blow to the entire city's self-esteem, yeah. um, and and you know it took quite a while to recover. I remember when the digital plant closed in Galway. To me, it felt like the it was the opposite reaction. Everybody involved became entrepreneurs, um, and I, I wonder what it is that unleashes that because I think the long-term permanent good quality employer. It's not something a community could ever turn down, but it becomes a bit of a drug over
1: time, doesn't it? A dependency drug. You picked by far, by far the best example in the history of <laughs> Irish, uh, you know, uh, economic development, um, the 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 deck experience. Um, mm. digital electric uh, company experience in Galway is exactly uh, what we talk about when we talk about, you know, uh, upskilling our, our people. Yeah. I had several very good friends who lost their jobs uh, yeah. with digital. And I remember one of them came to Dublin and he couch surfed uh, in, in my flat uh, for a while. It, he made it to Temple Bar. For <laughs> he was couch surfing <clears throat> style. He was, well, he, I guess he was. Yeah. But... Um, He's now a vice president of Microsoft, with homes in Switzerland, Italy, uh, Nevada, California, and London, and wow. a yacht. Wow! So I hope you know, he found time to buy you a plane. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a few good laughs about the about the way things turned out, yeah. but that is true of so many people that worked at Dell, at DEC, rather, um, at Digital. They 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 got on up mm. off their knees and started to knock on doors and started to build yeah. their own businesses and a great success and, and, and they did it in a,
0: in a culture that fostered that and um, i tell you a, a couple of things occurred to me while i'm chatting to you one is a little bit of a hobby horse of my own i love that popular science is popular these days and um, so you know on the 57 documentary channels that we have uh you was oh background of the Apollo mission. Oh, that is interesting. Oh, there you go. Oh, I didn't know Buzz Alden actually did that. Um, but seamlessly interspersed into it with no distinction made. And um, The next program will have some crap about aliens. Uh, you know, it, 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 were aliens trying to communicate with Armstrong? Uh, answer, no. But but it's presented side by side along with the authentic science. And I also sometimes wonder, I remember back in the day when we were worried about um nudity on television. They They've put this little warning triangle in the corner. And, uh, you know, as teenagers, we thought this was hilarious. It told you, yeah, you know, you might be, you might be seeing a boob in the next little while. But I, I just wonder, I, I worry about putting this pseudoscientific nonsense seamlessly in the schedule alongside the actual science and drawing no distinction between the two.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean this is a this is a problem uh, that has existed, uh, you know, for a very very long time. I mean, the, the Victorians had the same problem. Oh, seances were all the rage. And all yeah, that sort of, yeah. So you know, the, and uh, you know, new uh, you know, print new, newsprint never refused news. Paper never refused ink. Um, So that really, you know, it is up to editors and to the people that control these media. Um, The problem with mass television of the sort that you're describing is that it's a very competitive market. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are looking for eyeballs. And of course, you know, it's these outrageous claims. Um, You know, they they think that if they just add a question mark, (laughs) that somehow you're, you know, that, that that's sufficient. But, you know, when I was a young man and um, i remember the, the van daniken uh eric van daniken this uh, loony guy who was uh, r- writing about the chariot of the gods and it was the, it was the biggest thing in the media this idea that all of the great achievements of humankind was a- was a- were actually done by aliens um, and uh, mm. you know like the the aztec uh, um Drawings on the on the ground and the the pyramids and all of this, and it's really insulting to humans (laughs) to be saying you know we're not capable of doing these things when in fact you know our ancestors were. It's really important to remember our ancestors were just as clever as we are. and no, um, you know they just lived in a different time, and they but they applied the same uh, problem solving, just like Newgrange. You know yeah. the the great tumulus at Newgrange, the oldest roofed building in the world, and that was built by people you know without cranes and. Black holes. Yeah, or electronic
0: calculators exactly. or, or, or any such thing. There's a line in one of the Douglas, Douglas Adams books uh, where, where there's a radio station t- talking to sentient species everywhere and saying to the guys who haven't figured out much yet that the, the, the trick is to bang the rocks together, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Start banging the rocks together, and in a few thousand years, a technological society will emerge, we hope. <laughs> um, are, are you, in the broadest sense, confident for the future,
1: Leo? I, I, I'm a, an optimist by nature, uh, but I'm also a realist, and we're in for a very difficult time. Mm. Most, most particularly in terms of energy, I would be particularly worried about this winter. Uh, I'll be honest, and there's no point in you know sugarcoating it. Yeah. Um, I know that the powers that be are are deeply alarmed uh, by the the prospects of you know a, a harsh winter, yeah. and uh, it's at times like this that uh, we need a country pulling together. Mm. Um, we are lucky um, that as a, as a country, uh, we do not allow our political differences, though there are many and mm. uh, very legitimate uh, differences on important points of policy. But we don't broadly allow that um, to infect our discourse. Um, yeah. And we are lucky in that regard because uh, there are not, that many countries that that have that uh, moderation in in the public uh, space. And we we have high-profile
0: examples of, 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 of why you do need to manage public discourse mm-hmm. or it can slide horribly wrong on you. Uh, the two nations in the world who we know best, mm-hmm. um, our brothers and our cousins on one side and the other, um, are, are both currently cautionary tales as to what happens when the populists, um, you know, when populist chants
1: are, are allowed to rule. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I'm broadly optimistic for this country, um, but uh, we cannot be insulated from the harsh realities of the world at the moment mm-hmm. and uh, so for that reason we need to be uh, harshly realistic in our thinking about how we're going to proceed yeah. and we have to most importantly I think we really do have to foster this sense of community the metal yeah, the metal. The metal, the metal is, is really what's word. so important yeah. here, you know.
0: And you do actually feel that off the <clears throat> scientific community. And, and you know, the, the modern scientific method integral to it is the free sharing of data and the free sharing of ideas. And actually, even through the Cold War and the space race, you know, while lots and lots and lots was confidential, you know, scientific integrity remained. And, you know, insofar as it could be, data was shared. And I think it's honestly true that Apollo's success was celebrated by, by Russians who understood Uh, what the challenge had been. So maybe there are grounds for optimism. Hopefully we'll get through the current uh, war and energy crisis, whatever it is. You know, we we can't get through four or five years without having a global crisis of some sort anyway. So maybe it's just another global crisis and we'll come out of it. Um, So for for the remainder of the 21st century and into the 22nd, what are the things that excite you now? We have a new toy in space, the James Webb Telescope, starting to ponder the data that mm-hmm. there now, and um, what are the next ones? that excite you, the more sophisticated Mars rovers, or back to the moon, or the unmanned exploration further out,
1: what are the things that excite you? The thing that excites me most, I I go to a lot of conferences. In fact, I'm now going to more conferences than I used to because I can actually attend them from here in my living room, um, which is just amazing. Conferences that I wouldn't have had the time or the inclination to travel halfway around the world to attend, I can now attend. And what really excites me is the young people. The young researchers here in Ireland um, in college <clears throat> and already in industry and in uh, the universities who are doing really the most amazing stuff yeah so it's a it's a combo what makes me most uh, optimistic about the future here in Ireland but also more generally is to see the young people succeeding and to see uh, you know like the county managers uh, yeah. you know uh, the, the GAA managers um leaning right forward well. like the the yeah. bonus store yeah. leaning forward and reaching towards these young people that's how we're going to get through this century and it's how we're going to get out the out the other end of the energy crisis yeah. and more, and most importantly of course the climate crisis yeah. i still have some confidence uh, that in the end of the day <clears throat> you know the famous phrase like uh, you know churchill i think it was said about the americans you know in the end of the day the world's politicians they will try every everything everything they can uh, but eventually they'll
0: do the right thing. <laughs> well, you know, in the future, it may be the case that we're, you know, we're writing in a hundred years time and saying, you know, those poor guys, you know, they, they, they didn't even have uh, pocket nuclear fusion. Um, you know, can you imagine they had to use, uh, you know, they had to use electricity to run their automobile, cars couldn't even fly. Um, but even when we get to that world, there will still be societal problems, there'll still be human crises. Um, if the Mark 1 human being is one thing in all of this that probably won't change. Yes, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Well, from one mark, one human being to another, uh, Leo, it's been an absolute pleasure. Th- th- thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Conor. No, I really enjoyed that. I was grateful. Um, you want to double check it before.
0: <laughs> well, now, you see, this is where belt and braces do come in because yeah. it should be
1: recorded. Uh, uh, I once also. interviewed an astronaut and uh, after I finished the interview, he left the room and uh, I... I looked at the tape machine. And I hadn't recorded. Oh shit! And I couldn't do it again because he was on his way to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> he had a reasonable excuse, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, have you met all of them, the the Apollo astronauts? Oh yes, I mean, all the all the Apollo astronauts that actually landed on the moon. Yes, uh, wow. who flew the the, the landing missions. Um, I, some of the earlier ones who actually do, do the earlier Apollo Seven. I don't think I've met any of the Apollo Seven crew no. for some reason. But all the others, yes,
0: years. Ago, uh, my boss at the AM <clears> is a fellow <throat> called Pat Kiley, who's still a pal now. And uh, we were due me some sort of routine meeting. I don't know, I suspect in a chief executive mode, he was due to beat me up over something or other. And I turned up at his uh, desk and said, no, no, Pat's gone out. Has he? It's not like? Yeah, he's gone for the day. And um, he came back the next day and said, sorry about that. He said, I had a chance to meet Neil
1: Armstrong. Ah, yes. Yeah, lovely man. Uh, yeah, not something you could ever, yeah. not something you could ever turn down. He was, uh, Neil was absolutely the most
0: wonderful person. Uh, he was, he was um, really nice man. Uh, actually, the Apollo 13 movie was brilliant. But one one <clears> of the <throat> things he depicted was, you know, when you say the right stuff, these were astonishing people, like yeah. right in every way. They were absolutely astonishingly um, able people. You know, I, did I read that Jim Lowell um, he, in the early missions he couldn't fully bring himself emotionally to trust the electronic calculator and brought his own That's slide rule. Yes. Yeah. Really, yeah, it was brought
1: his yeah. own slide Fam- rule. Famously, ca- ca- always, during the Gemini missions, he famously always carried his slide rule. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had was- to do all that. But in those days, uh, in the early days of the Gemini period, uh, the computers were so slow that he could actually almost beat them. You know, he was uh, with the, a good yes. uh, you know, with the slide rule. I still have my father's somewhere... Yeah, there you go. Well, I know I had one, but if
0: you challenged me to use one now. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to either. <laughs> Not a bleeding hope. So maybe despite my, my, my um, physical excellence, that might be the reason for me being passed over for the uh, Irish space mission. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Leo Enright. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Do remember to check out previous episodes where I meet people like Dermot Ferreter, Nuala Carey, Frankie Sheehan, Teresa Mannion, Paul Williams, and others. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google Driving Life with Conor Faulton and you can email me at conorfalknan at gmail.com. Until next time, drive safely, live happily, and come back and see us again. sponsored by Expressway. With MyExpressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.